Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview style podcast. These interviewed are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved like all of my guests are is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to past, present, and future legends, as well as business owners, employees, media, and land use warriors, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle we call off-road. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active in off-road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world that we live and love and call off-road. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Have you seen Four Low Magazine yet? Four Low Magazine is a high-quality, well-written, four-wheel drive-focused magazine for the enthusiast market. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, something to save and read at any time, Four Low is the magazine for you. Four Low cannot be found in stores, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit fourlowmagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Adam Shearer. Adam is uh, out of Texas. He's uh, a designer, builder, owner of Tribe 4x4, and we will talk to him about his life in uh, automotive, then into off-road, and uh, see where things are going with him in, in the future. Adam, thank you very much for coming on board and spending some time with us. Hey, oh yeah. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get it. Let's get to it. Excellent. Let's start off. Um, I know you're, I'm pretty sure you're a Texas boy born and bred. So uh, where was that? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, lived in Texas my whole life. I was born in South Lake, Texas, which is a kind of little suburb of the Dallas Fort Worth area here. And I kind of, I, I kind of giggle a little bit when I, I tell people I'm from South Lake. It, right now, South Lake is, is kind of like this huge, uh, super rich populated area that's you know that's that's totally crazy you know it's just the wealth up in there it's kind of like you know there's some towns in texas that are like that but when i when i grew up in, in south lake it was it was nothing but you know farm pastures and 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 hardly you know it was kind of the rural area you could shoot guns out there and stuff and it's 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 crazy how much has changed today so uh that's that's where i was born and uh well i was you know raised in in in, in south lake right there okay and being in that area, rural, like you said, did you uh, was school close by, or did you have to bus, or you know how did? Yeah, you know we rode the school bus every morning, my my sisters and I, and uh, you know that was that was part of it, and and uh, and after school, you know we played out in the out in the pastures and the in the fields and the, with the neighbors' horses and goats and and whatnot. So it was kind of not super country, but kind of you know grew up a little bit on the countryside. So not not necessarily on a farm, but in the country. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would call it rural suburbs of uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. Okay, cool. And when yeah. you were in school, were you uh, studious? Not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I barely barely made it out. You know, I was more uh, you know more interested in 
in uh, motorcycles and, and cars and and doing everything other than studying and, and stuff like that. So I, I barely made it graduated high school um, just just by the, you know by one credit. So by um, one credit, just enough yeah. to get out the door. That was it. Yep, I got I got lucky. Did you participate in any extracurricular activities like sports or band or anything like that? No, I, I was really never real big into anything. You know, when I was in middle school, we kind of get you in the band and kind of get you hooked for that. But once high school came around, they wanted you to out, you know, practicing and doing all this and that. And I had, I didn't want no part of that. I wanted to, I wanted to work on my motorcycle and build cool stuff in the garage. And, and, you know, I just didn't want to be tied down to that. So I never, never did any sports, never did any, any band or any extra curricular activities or anything like that. And so what drove your interest in motorcycles and all that kind of stuff? Was it, was it just, you know, something that happened or was there an outside influence, parents or friends or what? Absolutely friends, you know, the, the people you hang with and, you, you know, they influence you. And so the, the guys that I hung with at, at school were, they weren't the studious type and they weren't the jocks. And so they were kind of the, the motorheads and, uh, you know, our friends had motorcycles and uh, that kind of influenced me to get into that and sport bikes and cruising around and car stereos. That was a, that was a big one there. That was one of my big hobbies with building car stereo systems. And that kind of got me involved in the automotive uh, side of, you know, learning, learning, like, you know, the electrics and all that good stuff. And so that I, I would say definitely, uh, you know, the people you run with really influence you on, uh, on uh, stuff like that. Right. With that being said, like classes did, was there an automotive technology? Did you get into that at all? No, at, at the time, our school didn't have anything like that. Okay. About the only thing technical we had was like a drafting program. Uh, and it wasn't even computer drafting back then. It was old school drafting on paper. Uh, and that's, you know, that I love that class. I, I love, you know, the math classes, geometry and stuff like that. That really was, you know, some interest to me. Uh, but not so much uh, any type of auto body or welding or mechanics or anything like that, no. Okay. So then the influence you said was friends that were doing the same thing and, you know, probably around the neighborhood and stuff. How did that go over with your parents? Oh, shoot. I tore it. It tore my mom up. <laughs> every time, every time I'd wreck the motorcycle and everything. Oh yeah. It's uh, you know, that was always a big one. And eventually I, I wrecked it bad enough. It couldn't be fixed. And that kind of, I had to hang up the motorcycles for a little bit. I was uh, basically banned from motorcycles. Too many of my mom's <laughs> friends had died on motorcycles, and I was uh, I was banned from them. But uh, I found a way to ride anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I hear you there. Luckily, I, I, I'm still alive. Yes. So, what was the uh, the first car you got to drive? You know, was it a parent's car or friends or what? Uh, you know, definitely a parent's car. My dad had an old suburban. We, we used to take it, take that out and enjoy ride it. And, uh, eventually I, you know, and save up a little bit of money. I, I bought my own truck. I, you know, I had an old Dodge 318 truck was my first one. Uh, I don't believe it was four wheel drive. I think it was a two wheel drive truck. It was just a beater. And, uh, you know, that was kind of one of my first trucks. And so was that where you started with your, uh, stereo stuff, putting, uh, <laughs> fixing it up 
Oh, definitely. Yes. Uh, you know, you're in high school and at, at that time, back in the early nineties, you know, car stereo was pretty big and everybody wanted a bumping system. And so I, I was really always intrigued with that and, you know, building speaker boxes and putting, you know, your big amplifiers and, and all that good stuff in there and, and terrorizing the neighborhood with the, with the big basin. You don't really hear that much anymore these days. It was, it was pretty prop- popular back then though. Right. It, it, it was very annoying back then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little think, older generation. So I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of what really led me into wanting to build stuff was it be, and being creative was kind of the, the car stereo scene you know, designing speaker boxes and my dad had a table saw. So I was always out there cutting up plywood and screwing stuff together for the neighborhood, you know, for all our buddies and stuff and building them speaker boxes. And, um, that, you know, that really kind of, kind of got me in, you know, building stuff and being in, you know, getting to explore my creativityness. So did you, did you have a job besides that or, you know, were you know, like, did you work at the local hamburger place or something or, or were you just, jumped right into it um no you know in and out jobs when you're a kid just working at the grocery store or delivering pizzas just small stuff like that but my my first job i actually i took a job working for circuit city and got back in their uh 12 volt area the the car stereo shop and so i I, you know I, i i was pretty focused and went straight to it and started really learning my hobby and um, and, and kind of got me involved in the, in actually working on cars and doing it for, for a living. Nice. And how long were you at circuit city? Uh, probably I would say about four years. Okay. Um, yep. And, and, and got pretty, you know, in four years you can learn a lot of cars and, and learn electrical systems and 12 volts and, and all that good stuff, which, you know, really helps out today building off-road rigs. Right. And was this something that was, did they have a training program or, you know, ed, you know, something to educate you or did this something you just picked up and, and, you know, through osmosis or just by, by, you know, doing the research? Yeah, no, uh, no training program. This is, you know, people that usually kids that get into that have a passion for something like that and they're really willing to learn. And, and that's kind of where I was, you know, they showed you the ropes a little bit and, and, uh, you know, just learn as you, as you, as you worked on different vehicles, you just kind of, yeah, obviously you got to have some aptitude to be able to have some mechanics, a, a mechanical mindset to, you know, to know how things work, how to take stuff apart and how to put it back together. And that's like, you know, growing up, that's, uh, you know, I, I took anything that was broken around the house. That's, I took it apart. I you know, checked it out, put it back together, see if it'd work. And, uh, but you know, when you when you were in that music scene early, at what point did you? Uh, I'm sure that you you guys would hang out and and see who bumped the loudest and all that kind of stuff. You know, at, at wherever the hangout was on a Friday or Saturday night. Did you ever get into any competitions or anything? Yeah, it it progressed. You know, I went from working for Circuit City to transitioning to a, a more in depth custom shop to where we weren't just doing uh, a radio and speakers. We were building big custom systems. And um, so, and that evolved, I, you know, I had a vehicle, I think I had an old Camaro that, that had a kick-ass system in it. And, and we eventually started going to competitions and taking home trophies and stuff like that. And, um, but, you know, it always, I think everything, anything and everything I'm involved, I usually take it to the max. So 
with all my little hobbies. I, you know, just, just the way I am. Was, was that all consuming back then or did you have other outlets as well of interest? No, it was, you know, whatever's in my, in my sight straight ahead, it's, it's consuming. (laughs) So yeah, doing the car stereo things, that was, that was it. That's all I did uh, day and night. And, you know, took it to the, always took it to the next level with custom work, learning how to uh, work with fiberglass and, and Bondo and, and all types of materials, uh, vinyl and leather and, you know, just all kind of, we did neon and uh, polishing plexiglass and really, really high end car stereo stuff. We did basically, we actually built a lot of magazine worthy vehicles that competed and, and were showcased in some magazines. Oh, nice. And, how did that transition into more automotive expansion, you might say? So doing it for many, many years, you there's a burnout point, and I got burned out on it. We, uh, My wife and I, we, we moved to Cal- uh, to uh, sorry San Antonio uh, for a handful of years, and, and I did a, a lot of high-end stuff down there. And, and when we moved back here to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I was, I was kind of I was at my end. I was like, I really don't want to do this anymore. I kind of got burned out on it. And, uh, you know, I took a little bit of time off and one day I was like, shit, I got to get back to work. You know, I'm going to, you know, I got to, I got to do something and went across the street to the, to the automotive dealership and just said, you know, Hey, you know, looking for a mechanics position, the entry level of some sort. And, and that's kind of how I trans transferred from doing car stereos into automotive full-time uh was was just uh kind of getting out on those that burnout stage and needing something different and how old were you when uh you met your wife and when did you get married um i met my wife clarissa she let's see we were we were just out of high school um i must have been 20 years old yes because we uh my 21st birthday we shared together so we we've been we've been together for quite some time and did you meet in school or did you um, no, through an actual, um, you know, mutual friend, uh, right out outside of high school, just, uh, right after we graduated. Yeah. Okay. So you guys have been yeah. together quite a while then. Congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. Excellent. And, uh, what dealership was it that you jumped into? Um, it was an actual, a Jeep Chrysler and it also had, it was a, also a Nissan dealership. So it was kind of a split. It had two dealerships side by side that the, uh, uh, that was under one ownership and you know so that's that's at, when i went to the dealership i was just a multi-line technician and you you had no real interest in in off-road at that time not a not any at all i mean uh, you know every once in a while somebody might hey let's go out to the pasture and go mudding or whatever and uh, you know that was really never in, in for me. It was fun and all, but I just never had a, a, an interest in it. I was doing to, you know other things, and but I kind of got back into motorcycles uh, and then still do the car stereo stuff. And but yeah, uh, was not it never caught my interest until one day the general manager of the dealership um, said, "Hey, we're looking for somebody to start." outfitting some of these jeeps these brand new jeeps that are coming off transport and we're just going to start selling them you know on the front line with accessories already on them and they uh with me doing multi-line and working on all kinds of different stuff and they i think saw they saw that i had some aptitude to it 
uh, I started, I started working on brand new Jeeps and started putting, you know, lift kits on them. And, uh, that, that's kind of what got me the, the very first start of, of actually working on off-road rigs. And besides work, what kind of activities were you and Clarissa doing? Um, besides work, like I said, we got back into the motorcycle scene, the sport bikes and that was fun. We both rode. She had a motorcycle and I had a, I had a motorcycle. We had both had some Honda sport bikes. And, uh, we, you know, with that scene, there was, we, we would go ride every week and we'd meet up with the other motorcycle gangs and hang out and, you know, go to the street races at night and stunt ride a little bit here and there and, and crash our bikes. And just, you know, we were young at the time and <laughs> just, you know, being free and acting stupid. <laughs> All right. And so with the, with being the multi-line mechanic and your, uh, your aptitude, they put you on with the aftermarket accessories. Was that mainly Jeep stuff or did you guys, uh, did they purchase things outside? We did, uh, we actually at the dealership, we mostly Jeeps, but we also being that it was tied to the Nissan dealership. We also did some, uh, some Nissan products. We did the, the, the trucks when the Titans first came out, uh, we, we were doing six inch lift kits and 35 inch tires on those and, and putting them right up on the front line and selling them. And, um, we'd get, a we'd get some, some of the other Nissan product. We would, uh, we get the 350 Z's and we would out, you know, we'd outfit those with some aftermarket accessories some cold air intakes and some ground effects and, you know, anything to spice them up just a little bit and, and turn around and sell them. And, um, but you know, we, I think majority of it was the Jeep products, um, was seemed to be more popular. Okay. And how did you go from basically being an R and R and bolt on to becoming doing a lot of fab work? Uh, it, it, there was a transition time at the dealership where, you know, we, I'd be working on, you know, multiple stuff, doing old pages and, and fixing up vehicles to get them for resale and, reconditioning um and then you know they would slide in a a lift kit or some bumpers or something like that and then eventually it got to the point where they were doing so much of the aftermarket accessories they had an idea of actually starting kind of a subsidiary business within the dealership and doing nothing but off-road accessories uh, and and it, it, i guess it was it really sparked their interest and they they saw more and more of it and, and they came to me and they said, Hey, we're going to start this kind of a side business in the back and want to know if you wanted to head it up or be part of it and quit working on multi-line stuff. And I was like, shit, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that sounds awesome. And instead of being working on greasy used cars all day long, right. you know, get to put accessories on brand new vehicles. And I was like, yeah, that's, that sounds like a pretty good deal. And, and so I kind of transitioned from that and, um, and it just, it grew, it just grew, it grew. And, Besides working at the dealership and then the side business through the dealership, how did was there another transition before your own shop, or was it always dealer and then straight to your own shop? You know, at the at the dealership, the the I see something in it and I I take it kind of to the extreme. You know, we we were just doing accessories and 
and at the time we started going actually going off-roading and taking some trips and and hitting the trails and learning more and more which got me more and more involved and kind of laser focused on that and you know with anything i want to take it to the max so i started studying and uh and, and learning and and this and that and uh built out you know i wanted to do more i wanted to go from just regular jeeps to to hardcore you know just and the transition from just doing the bolt-on accessories at the dealership to uh a little heavier fabrication was uh you know once again my interest in wanting to, to learn more and 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 go to the max with with stuff that i'm, I'm interested in and so i started you know studying and and reading forums and stuff like pirate four by four and and you know once you get on there you're hooked you know with all, <laughs> the, all the cool pro- all the cool projects that you know that everybody's building and and learning and um you know with with the you know everything that's evolved with that that's kind of that really sparked my interest to go further with just the the accessories and and, and want to do you know build cooler vehicles and just like the car stereos uh you know, just you start off small and the next thing you know, you're building huge systems. And so that that's that's kind of how I, you know, I, I roll like that is. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm buying my own tools and fabrication tools and I'm bringing them into the dealership and welders and, and tube notchers and the vendors. And I'm, I'm kind of building small projects in the in the back of the shop on the side and or, you know, for myself and, and kind of trying to learn while we're still getting this thing kicked off. And, and it was all self-taught pretty much self-taught. Yes. Uh, I really didn't have a, a mentor at the time. I pirate four by four was my mentor. Um, eventually I, I ran across the right people in the industry. That's, that's kind of the, the, I think the key that helps a lot of people out from that are people that are building stuff in the garage and, and that are, are really good at it, uh, or are coming up you meet the right people in the industry and they kind of help you out. And, and that's what happened with me, um, to kind of go to the next level. Um, yep. Who were some of those right people? Uh, one, so one time we were, we were off-roading and, you know, we're early in it and we're learning and we, we learned real quick that, Hey, if you put some big tires on your Jeep and you go, go do some rock crawling, your steering is not so good. You know, it, you get it bound up and you can't turn them tires. And so quickly we found uh, PSC, the company, uh, steering company, PSC, that was local to us. And we took a trip out to them and said, hey, you know, we're we're getting into this and we're learning, you know, how to go rock crawling and jeeping and stuff. And uh, our steering sucks. So we need we need some better steering. And that's how I that's how I met uh, the guys over there. Uh, at PSC and we started working together. Um, I started building them, you know, some off-road rigs and uh, we started doing more of their product selling, you know, steering systems and um, kind of, we developed a relationship there, uh, the owner, Tom Allen and I, and, uh, and, you know, he, he was real, you know, kind of, kind of saw that I was, uh, you know, a, a, somebody that could help him out. And, we could help each other out. And, and he was like at one day, you know, one day he says, Hey, you know, if you ever want to get out of this dealership stuff and, and start your own shop, you know, I'll help you out. We can, uh, you know, kind of work together a little bit and kind of build some cool stuff. And, uh, and I instantly was like, okay, let's, that sounds pretty awesome. Let's, let's do that. I want to go to the next level. 
how long it, I mean, was it the same conversation or was it, you know, a week or was it, uh, you know, how long did that transition take from him offering to you going, yeah, let's jump in? Uh, I probably would say it was about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you were ready. Know, you were ready. Yeah. Working, you know, working at the dealership is, is kind of tough. There's a lot of red tape, uh, you know, a lot of rules and this and that, and they're always budget minded. And if you're, if you're not making them money, you know, it's one of those things they, they don't, you know, they're always on top of you about stuff. And, um, I, I kind of, I wanted to, to, to go to the next level and, and start building some even bigger stuff that they were in than, than what they were interested in. So it, you know, and knowing Tom and that's all they dealt with, they dealt with, you know, the, the competition rock crawlers and, the, and, you know, and getting into a lot more Jeep business and, and building bigger stuff like that. So I, I was like, yeah, I'm going this direction. So peace out dealership. And then that created the, your first shop. And is that when the name tribe came in? Um, yes. When we, when I left the dealership, um, it's, it's kind of silly. I, the whole tribe was, I needed, you know, I, of course going out, I wasn't, we weren't going to call the shop PSC, you know, off-road. I, I kind of wanted my own name. He was just going to help me out with it. So at the, at the time I was looking for a name and, um, I played a lot of video games okay. at the time That's all right. and it, this was one, uh, this was one of the, the video games I played was called tribes. And it was a, like a, you know, futuristic first person shooter game that was on PC and, uh, you know, just, and I, so I said, shit, I'm just going to, I'm just going to call tribe and just lose the S. Very good. I was, which it kind of, it kind of fits, you know, I, 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 you know, at the time we, we had a close group of friends that we all wheeled together and, um, and kind of hung out and it was our tribe, you know, they, uh, and, and so kind of, it also crossed over to that a little bit. I thought, you know, that's, you know, it's kind of a niche deal. So it worked. Right. No, it does work. It, it works really well. So then how big was that first shop, say square footage wise? Our first shop that PSC helped us get into was about 2,800 square feet. It was a little bitty warehouse down, almost down close to downtown Fort Worth and in a not so nice area. It was kind of run down, uh, light commercial area. And, uh, but it worked, you know, it was was a start. Okay. And is the building you're in now the second or third building? So this is uh, our second building. Okay, we, so that, then I was in the original. I met you there at your yeah. original building. Okay, it was that that original the the start building that little thing. It lasted for like ten years. We and we we were jammed in that thing, and we eventually took over the spot next to us. So it, it, we doubled our size, which was still really really small. And and we you know we were on top of each other, and every day you had to move projects in and out, and it just it just kind of was a pain in the butt. So. But we lasted there for quite a while. But you had a good restaurant next door. You know, down, being close to, to downtown Fort Worth, there was no no shortage of good restaurants. And that was one of the things that we always did was uh, we usually left as the entire shop and we'd go have lunch together. Uh, and at the time, we didn't have a lot of employees, but it, it was that was kind of a nice thing. We'd, we'd eat lunch together every day. And what was the uh, what was your first project at Tribe? 
my first project was fixing a a, a race car for uh, one of our friends here local Barry Beetle. He had a an old school back in the day. This this was the true definition of rock a rock donkey uh, race car. It was like a rock crawler switched to a, a race car, and I believe he was racing the Morock races at the time, and or it might have been Hammers. I think it might have been an early Hammers, and he came back and this thing was all bent up and he brought it to us and we fixed a bunch of tubes in the car and, and reinforced a bunch of pieces. And, and I, that was the very first rig. I remember we, we, I don't even think we had air in the shop at the moment. At the time we were still putting electrical on the walls and, you know, 220 plugs and, and getting the shop set up. And his was the very first rig we ever worked on. That's a pretty good first client. Yeah. Oh yeah. Barry Beatles, a good dude. Yeah. So do you got any good stories on Barry? I've known Barry for quite a long time. Yeah. We, uh, he actually invited me to, uh, to run one race. It was a Morocco race. So those were really short little, you know, stent races, not like a big race, but he said, Hey, you know, come and come sit in the passenger seat. We were at, we were at Bridgeport off road, which is a little park just outside of town here. And so I was like, sure, you know, I'll, I'll run in the car with you. And so we're at the sitting at the st- starting line. And the green flag drops and we take off. We get about a hundred feet. The steering wheel comes off and he's holding the steering, he's holding the <laughs> steering wheel in his hand. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I don't even know what the hell's going on. You know, I still, I was still like, Oh, look out. We took off so fast. And that was a good one there. And I think we ended up, I think we ended up flopping the car on the side. I had, a, I had a climb out of it. That was a, that was my, probably even my first race car off-road experience was with, was with him. And did that, did that help get you hooked? Or were you more like, uh, I'm not sure if I need to get back in another car? It, um, I don't know if that got me hooked. It was just such a short little race. It was, you know, that was kind of right along the same time that we were getting on the scene of racing. It was still really early racing stuff. Um, you know, I was still trying to get my feet landed on the starting the new shop and, you know, working on, working on anything I get my hands on. And, um, but it, it kind of all kind of came together to you know at, at once when uh when early the early racing of mo rock and and then we had the dirt riot and right. then also king and then also the king and hammer stuff was a good like a good transition when we went into the new shop um you know we kind of went from working on whatever we get a hold of to it kind of was more working on race car stuff uh the the more different races they had locally uh you know the the handful of customers that had cars the you know the kind of more work we had on repairing them or or fixing them and um and keeping them going kind of prep work and and this and that we weren't really building full you know cars at the time we were just still kind of learning it and getting the shop set up so that was that was a good transition time and do you still have employees from back in those those early days no, unfortunately, I don't. I had one. I had one guy, Ryan. It was Ryan Dawson. Was he was with me for the longest time, kind of very, almost from the very beginning. And he's a great guy, and uh, super talented. And and he was with us for the longest time. And then he finally kind of just moved on. Okay, that happens. Yeah, just like the car stereo business. I mean, I can't imagine. You know, this is a pretty tough, pretty tough circuit, and I could see people getting burned out on it when you when you do it nonstop. Right. Absolutely. And so then you're, you're in the small shop 
the uh, the business is flowing. You're doing a lot of race cars now, and uh, the the first full blown car that you got to do. Talk about that. I think I know which one it is. The with the racing taking off, and and I think a lot of a lot of it really helped was uh, um, was with was you know being with PSC and them helping out. The the very first car that we built off road race car we built. Uh, we called it old whitey and, and, you know, the whole car was white. We painted the chassis white and the body panels were white and everything. And, uh, the way it came to be is, uh, Tom Allen from PSC, he hit up Jason Shear uh, and, and said, Hey, you know, I, he, he had just recently sold his car, uh, and he was out of a, he didn't have a race car. So it was probably a prime opportunity for him too to take a free ride. And so Tom hit him up, said, Hey, you know, if we build a car, would you be interested in, you know, coming to the races and, and running it, racing it for us? And, and, you know, and Jason said, yes. So Tom came down and, and said, Hey, you know, let's build a, let's build a, an ultra four car and, and let's start racing it. And we've got Jason Shear on board. He wants to, you know, he'll be the driver. And, um, and I was asked if I wanted to co-drive and I said, hell yeah, you know, that's, that sounds like a cool dig, you know, pretty cool gig. And, um, so we started putting together a chassis and Jason flew in a couple times and, and helped us with design and more or less kind of fitting it, I should say. And, you know, the layout to where kind of, he made sure he fit in the car and, and everything. And, um, and that was it. We started racing. And no relationship. Oh, Jason. No, we're, we joke, uh, Jason Shear and his brother, Casey, we, 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 we kind of joke. We say we're, we're brothers from another mother, but <laughs> Yeah. We're, we're pretty tight. We, uh, you know, we, we still stay in touch and, and everything here and there, but now yeah, no, no relations. Okay. I know that I didn't think so. Cause I'd known Jason for a long time and Casey. And then all of a sudden I heard the name Adam and I'm like, what? There was a third brother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And then realized yeah. soon that no, you were in Texas. So what's funny is, is, uh, we were at a, at a KOH, I think it was maybe 2010, and I was out there with, with PSC helping them work on steering on race cars and we're hanging out and then somebody comes up and we said, Hey, we're, uh, we've got a, a car to work on and, uh, his name's Jason Shear. And I, that was the very first time I ever heard of him. I was like, like Shear, like in like the same as my last name. And, and, uh, I was like, wow, that's crazy. And, and li- literally I remember watching Casey brought the car down. I remember watching Casey walk up and i was and i can still see it in my head today i was like holy shit is this like are we like related is this like my brother because i don't have any brothers and no blood brothers and i'm like this is this is really weird that's awesome and uh what was what was that first car what was it like putting together that first car some of the trials and tribulations it was it was uh the, the first car that we put together was was interesting it was kind of you know, we took a lot of ideas off some cars that uh, Dean Bullock uh, and and Tom put together. They they had already been racing together, um, and uh, so we kind of took some ideas that some chassis stuff that they built. So it kind of looks similar to some other stuff. Uh, you know, starting out, uh, you know, y- you learn from a lot of other people and you you see their ideas and and what works and what doesn't and and so i had some inspiration from some of their cars and this is still early early times you know where you're you still were rock donkeys and trans 
you know, transitioning from rock crawling into racing early, like, you know, 2009, 2010. And so it kind of had some resemblances there. It had a swoop top that I always wanted to, you know, to do. I bought a, a tubing roller and it had a kind of a, a rolled top to the cage. And so it changed the shape of it just a little bit. Right. And that kind of caught on for a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't even know where my tubing roller is now. Hopefully it's in the trash because I don't want to roll. I don't want to know, roll another tube ever. It was <laughs> that's so laborsome doing that. And then, you know, you get the tube all messed up and, ugh. but, uh, at, you know, at the time it was, you know, it's the same thing with like dimple dyes and, you know, it's kind of, you don't really see too many dimple dyes in fab work anymore. It's like a fad, I guess. Right. And <laughs> What are some of the other things that you consider fad fads that have uh, come and gone that you've seen uh, in fabrication and off road, especially in there. like say ultra four, ultra four. Um, no, I don't know. That's okay. I mean, it, the, the evolution of the cars have changed so much. It's you know, back in the day, you'd see a, a truss on a on an axle that's you know, real thin sheet metal and it's got the, all the super dipple dyes all over it. And, you know, it looks cool and everything. And, you know, and now it's fully boxed and all TIG welded out and, you know, stuff like that's changed. Uh, not so much flashy, not, not so many flashy things, you know, more direct and functional, uh, you know, building them that way. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's there, you know, I, obviously the cars have evolved, with materials and, and function and, um, you know, just make them last and go faster. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. The evolution of the, of old Whitey, that car went through a couple of evolutions, didn't it? It, it did. Uh, when we built it, it was, you know, it was, it was a new process for us. We were learning also, you know, always learning. And, it was built with solid axle, which is still a solid axle car today, but the, the axle underneath it was kind of just a run of the mill Dana 60. It was an aftermarket coming. I believe it was Curry, Curry axles underneath it. Um, actually, no, it was not. It was, I think it might've been a combination of Curry and some Terraflex. It was kind of a, a whole thing. was kind of hodgepodge together. Um, and it, once we raced it and we had some issues with it and we, we had to upgrade it and, you know, like any car, you, you, you find weak, weak links and bugs and you, you constantly have to change stuff and it changed shock companies, changed axle companies and, um, have motors and all that good stuff. It just, you know, you're just constantly trying to fine tune a car. Right. And I think that in those early days, there was so much experimentation because everybody, nobody, you know, there was nothing out there that was, was simulated or similar to what, was being done. I mean, you had the rock crawlers, which the concept of, of adhesion and traction for a rock crawler as compared to racing are almost opposite. And then you Absolutely. have the only yep. other thing you have to compare to is desert racing and everything there, except for a few truck classes is all two wheel drive or what? Yes, abs Absolutely. Yeah. So it yep. it was there was a big innovation area there for our four wheel drive industry to go from going slow and controlled to fast and barely on the edge of control. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It was definitely a, a good time to start blending cars together. And, and, uh, I mean, it's like the stuff you see today is you would, I mean, it, it's like a, a perfect vision of what you can imagine of, of, you know, how they're being blend together. And even, even now, I mean, other, other classes like the, the, uh, the big T1 trucks and whatnot are starting to catch on to the four wheel drive stuff and learning from us and, and they're evolving also. So. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Um, I think that, they they had tried desert racing had tried the four wheel drive, but nobody wanted to take the time to experiment and possibly lose races pushing the envelope. Yeah, you know, you just had, like yeah, so yeah, just like the the first IFS car in uh, in Ultra Four, same thing. Somebody had to take the take the the leap and 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 you know go ch- and and check it out and, tr- and challenge it. And see how it, you know, how it came out. Right. And uh, do you remember what that first uh, IFS car was? Was that Rick Dermo's single seater that raced in XRA too? I I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, true. True. Independent. Yes. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, most of the notoriety goes to to the Campbells. You know, with winning winning a, a KOH in the IFS car. Right. Um, you know, that really kind of put it on the map. Yeah, I think they took it to the, definitely took it to the next level after that Dermo car. That's for sure. Yes. And did you, uh, did you work with other fabricators in, in the process of, of, of getting to the point where the cars are like they are nowadays? Or was it just everybody was like, you know, super skunk works type thing? Um, I did not work firsthand with any other fabricators, uh, in the, in the industry, um, as far as outside design work. Um, you know, we had the guys that worked in the shop and that fabricated with us and, and we kind of all, you know, clicked together and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, not really. I mean, uh, I mean, everything we built pretty much kind of, I hate, I don't really like saying this. I mean, but kind of came out of my own head, um, you know, with obviously we'd have a lot of help and some d- direction and, uh, you know, advice and stuff like that from other, other guys in the industry. And, but yeah, it's, I've never really had a, a like a mentor that really kind of showed me the ropes. Okay. And what was the favorite, your favorite car that you built? The, I would say our favorite car that we built would be probably, I would have to say the uh, Alex Wacker's IFS car that we had built, which is now currently owned by the Rufus Racing. Okay. Um, yeah, that was probably one of the, our top shelf, top, top shelf car that we built. It was, a, you know, full chromoly car, all TIG welded, IFS car. Um, you know, it had really nice everything in it. The electrics in it were really nice. All the plumbing was super nice. The high, you know, it was a the the, you know, the highest built car budget and quality that we had to date. Is it nice working with that with a budget that's? Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, there no budget, but I would say that uh, that there were very few limitations. A- absolutely, you know, it's and it kind of spoils you too once you build a car like that and you have a, a customer that wants to build a car that is on budget and you're kind of like, Oh, you know, I wouldn't do this. Cause you know, you know, we could do so much better 
product in it or whatnot and it's but they can't afford it so we're going back to just rubber hoses for gas lines and stuff like that so you you it's you kind of get you know you get a little spoiled having having a to have an opportunity to build a really nice car where you you have all the i mean everything is top shelf and it's you know it's really really nice and so and and you uh what about Howell's car, Matt Howell? You, that was was that the forty five hundred or forty eight hundred? Uh, Matt Howell's car was a was a forty five hundred car. That's it was I the thought. stock mod class for uh, for uh, Ultra Four at the time, and yeah, that that one that was a that was a neat project. Uh, that actually was started by PSC. It was a uh, it was a YJ frame on an Aqualoo aluminum tub. And it was built just as a trail rock crawler. And uh, they had it for a little while and Matt Howell purchased it and he trail wheeled it for a little while. And then he finally went out to the hammers and, and, you know, and got to spectate some races and he got, he got the hook and eventually, or actually pretty quickly that, that buggy ended up at our shop and we started chopping it up and turn it into a race car. And it was, that was a pretty successful car. It was, um, you know, the, at, at the time it went through many evolutions too. Um, I, you know, it, it we were racing the, the dirt ride races and, uh, that's kind of really where it, it, it's cut its teeth on was, was doing that. Cause there was a lot more local races for us to, uh, participate in and for that car to, to, you know, to, to race and to evolve in. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it, that's kind of how that car took its start. Yeah, and and you uh, you did very well off of uh, the dirt riot races, not just with that car, but with all the cars. I mean, at one time it seemed like that you know half the field would be tribe cars out there. So I, you know, I will tell you straight up, I owe a lot of our success to to dirt riot to y'all uh, for putting that series on. No, that's not what I, I meant. Abs- <laughs> no, absolutely, but it, it it is true. It's you know that that really that got us a lot of businesses was you know, having more local races more often, you know, it sparked more interest to the, our local, you know, people around here, off-roaders and, and, and them, you know, and they would go spectate the races and see how many cars that we had. And next thing you know, they're like, Hey, we want to get into this. Let's, let's build a car and, you know, be underneath the, the, you know, be in the tribe and, and part of our, kind of our team and our, you know, our, our, uh, our, our friends. And so that really helped, you know, the tribe grow was, was y'all's races and and to be able to do that, you know, us building cars, prepping cars for every race, it was a, a full-time job. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I ever told you where dirt riot, where it spawned from, but, you know, having been at all the KOHs to begin with, I, I wasn't at the OG 13 race, but after that we were working with, with, I was working with Dave and Jeff um, and helping them in a small way. But they, uh, what I saw at KOH was teams not being real successful. I mean, just a lot of guys going out there and and trying to race, but maybe not knowing what they needed to do to race and to finish races. So once XRA um, folded and decided, you know, or closed their doors, uh, the Weavers, we decided, you know, okay, now's the time. Let's put something together that's more regionally based around the same design as the 
as KOH, but add classes like what we had done with um, with our rock crawling series, and just just to provide more places for you know people to get involved and take what they might have existing, whether it's a trail car or whatever, and then being able to jump in and and start doing something go fast instead of just crawling. And I think it worked really well for quite a few years until there just seemed to be a burnout of of either people's wallets and checkbooks um or the uh the the whole idea of of spending all that money, you know, to race the you know that the lifestyle, the family style racing was was absolutely phenomenal and I miss it. And I miss you yeah, I miss all of you guys. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, once again, I, I, I thank you and I commend you for, for doing that. Cause you, you pretty much, you know, helped put me on the map by, by giving us an opportunity to, to do all that racing and to, to build up, uh, you know, these, the, the cars that we had built was the majority of them would, would, were racing the, the dirt right. So, you know, uh, but yes, racing is, is expensive and it's, it, and if you, if you just do it once here and there on the side for fun, it's, that's, you know, probably a way to do it. But when you start hitting them all up and it turns into, uh, it turns into some serious work, you know, keeping the cars going and prepping them and, you know, all the money that involves, especially when you tear them up and break them. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it can take its toll and you, you, I'm, I'm sure everybody still sees it with the ultra four racing too. Absolutely. You know, it's, they come and they go and it's a cycle. It's, it's fun and exciting when you get into it and you, you, you know, you, you, you're racing, and you, but if you do it for a length of time, it, it does kind of take its toll. Especially that, you know, when you take out that third mortgage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, luckily, I've never had to do that. Usually I'm on the other end of it, you know. Well, so. you know, I, I always tell people the reason I became a promoter was I couldn't afford to be a racer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you're still involved, but you don't have to uh, spend the big bucks. Exactly. You just risk it all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So now you guys are, I I don't see as many, um, I don't see builds coming out of tribe for KOH ultra four. Are you guys, are you guys concentrating more on, I know you guys business is just booming. What's your, what's your business focus now? Um, you know, we have our, our business is changing a little bit. Um, our focus is, is still on, you know, building high quality rigs. Um, if it's, we're still doing some race stuff, not as heavy as we've been, um, you know, but still that pedigree of the quality that we've, that we've, we've done in the past, we're still doing now on, on just regular stuff, regular Jeep stuff and off-road. And, uh, we're, we're still building cars here and there and, uh, for some customers, but I, I think a lot of it changed. I, I think I saw most of the change probably when the dirt riot kind of gave up and not, I would say gave up when it, when the, when we quit racing dirt riot and we went straight to ultra four, everybody kind of had to do that. It, that's when it, that's when, you know, we, some people got burned out, sold cars, you know, it just, like I said, it's, it's a lot of work and it's, and you know, so we saw the change of hands in cars and that was a little less business for us, you know, prepping the cars and repairing them. And so it's kind of shifted a little bit. We're our focus shift currently is building more, uh, off-road recreational vehicles. 
Okay. Uh, you know, rec, rec wheeling. So we're actually started a new uh, tube chassis today for a uh, for a you know a, a, a full tube car solid axle uh, rock crawler for a good friend customer of ours. Is that something that's going to be available? Um, is it just the one for him, or are you going to make that like a package where people can can purchase that that chassis? We so we're actually excited. Uh, we have some new equipment in the shop. We we purchased a uh, tube dragon, uh, the Bentec tube dragon. It's a plasma automated tube cutter, and we've got some uh, some new talent in the shop that are that we're working with uh, doing some solid work drawings. And we're actually, you know, we're I think we're say we think we we are working towards on having a more production styled chassis that that is a lot easier to build in the shop. So yeah, we're, we're going to have, um, you know, something in the, in the, in the works here in the near future, that's going to be a lot, you know, available for, uh, for purchase. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And it's going to, uh, is it going to resemble a Jeep product or is it just going to be, you know, a buggy? It's, you know, from building race cars for, for so long, it's, we've taken a lot of the, the design from building, say not so much an ifs car but you know being that these are recreational rock haulers uh solid axle cars the design in and from the race cars is kind of shows through to this recreational car it's more or less built like a race car except you know instead of having a radiator in the rear window we're packaging it up front with fiberglass hood and grill to resemble a, more of a, a vehicle you know either be a, a jeep or a uh you know, FJ or whatever kind of fiberglass, you know, that we can, that we can, the customer would like to put on there to, to, res, to resemble whatever they'd like. But, uh, you know, a lot of it, the, the, the design and, and is kind of spawned from the racing. Excellent. And that means that a lot more safety goes into it. Definitely. You know, the, the, these trail, these trail cars are, are going to be a, a two inch, you know, DOM chassis, the main, with uh you know everything else inch and three quarter to shave a little bit of weight but you know a big uh, strong belly section with both sides and slot you know uh, aluminum skid plates with uh aluminum and the uh and the uh, plastic on the bottom right okay so do you feel that your early days of with the with doing the sound systems carries over into the detail work because that's one of the things i've noticed with your vehicles is that you know the 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 attention to detail is is outstanding yes uh you know learning car stereos and and the fundamentals of 12 volt systems you know that really helps on the wiring aspects of, of finishing out these these you know either race cars or rock crawlers or even a, working on putting a set of lights in a jeep you know for some accessories or whatnot um, yeah, that, that absolutely is, you know, knowing that all that knowledge that I've learned in the past on that really helps out. And it, it was still, and everything's changed, changing today. It's, you know, we're still learning. There's now there's systems that are going into, uh, solid state control boxes, you know, that's the, that are all programmable and, and not, you know, just state of the art stuff that's, you know, computer driven. Although, uh, I, I still prefer an old school switch and a relay sometimes rather than having all the the crazy computer stuff. If something goes wrong, it's a little harder to repair it on the fly. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. It's easier to drop in a, a malfunctioning relay, um, than it is to try to tear apart something that's all solid state. <laughs> Absolutely. 
and that, you know, separate the systems to me makes, I mean, there's good and bad on both, I guess, packaging the solid state's nice because everything's tied up into one, but man, like you said, it's, uh, having, you know, the system separate sure does make, you know, it doesn't dumb it down. Well, I guess for somebody like me, it dumbs it down because it's easier to find a problem. Yeah. I, I learned a long time ago and, and, and still today, um, building these cars and working on them and being in the field, racing them and having to overcome a lot of obstacles. It's, it, it it's, it's all about serviceability. And if it's not, not just electrical, anything, plumbing or the, you know, having to pull a transmission out or, you know, anything you work on and the design and building this, these systems and these cars is, is that's one thing that's always in my mind is when we're doing something and we're building something, how can let's do it easy to where it's easy to work on. You know, at, at the time we were working on all of them. So everything we built, we were prepping them. It's not, we didn't, we didn't have to build a car and say, you know, here you go. Good luck with that. We, it was all on us. So that, that really helped us learn on how to build something and make it, you know, make it serviceable and, and ergonomical and easy to just, just, you know, just to function well and, and to be a good rounded car. And, and a lot of that's in the details too, um, you know, and having, having good stuff and laid out correctly. And yeah. So, so with like more the custom trail rigs, as opposed to the racers, I know racers, you know, there's, there's a lot of redundant systems um, in case one goes down, you know, you can, you can turn, you know, you don't have to have to repair it. You can just disable it and then go to the redundant side is do you do any of that in the in the trail cars as well? I, I would yeah, we, think, I would think not, but you know, no, not really. Um, but we've learned a lot from the racing on things what to do and what not to do that we do in the in the trail cars that so they'll be less problematic on the on the tr- on the trail and you don't have to work on it as much. Simple things, you know, as far as like the fuel system. A hundred percent of the time, we're going to try to put the fuel pump in the tank where it runs cooler it doesn't have to draw fluid up out of the tank and you know work harder so it lasts longer stuff just very simple stuff like that that we've learned in the racing um you know that's you know that's what we put into to building the trail cars is once again that's it's all in the details there right and so what do you uh what do you see as the future you know is there any special product projects you want to do have you done any any two-wheel drive desert trucks or any four-wheel drive desert trucks yet um we had the opportunity to build a uh it was in the past not in the future but we did do a pre-runner for uh for uh one of our teams that we're we're racing with and it was a really cool build it was an f100 and it was a kind of a a two-wheel drive pre-runner ifs big travel um big engine uh that was that was a neat one at the moment in the future we you know we don't really have any projected uh you know want to go towards just you know desert racing or build desert stuff or anything like that if the obviously if the opportunity presents we're going to jump on it for a customer uh, we've done some stuff here and there we've we've you know repaired and 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 prepped some some desert vehicles uh local but full builds uh, you know it's not a direction we're kind of looking towards going at the moment okay so the new direction is the uh is basically a wheeler in a box i think so I'm, you know i i 
I say that because it's a, a will a wheeler in a box is 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 good for many reasons. You know, it's it can be economical for somebody to get into. Um, it's easier to build if it's you're not changing something. You're not reinventing the wheel every time. You know, it's right. you, you can work through the project a lot quicker. I don't. There's a part of me that says, you know. I don't like building cookie cutter stuff. One of those things, you know, I've always taken pride in building a car around or per for a customer to, you know, so to make sure they fit in it correctly and everything they want is in it correctly. And this and that, I, I, you know, but I understand that there is a, a market for, you know, a, a, repro- a reproduced chassis or a car that's, you know, that's a little bit more economical for somebody to get into. And there's a, a lot more people recreational willing than racing. So you know, that's kind of what we're going to start focusing on. Yeah, there's a lot bigger market share with the recreational wheeler than there is with the racer. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, after for racing, you know, off-road racing for, we're going on like 14 years now. Um, it's, it's, I, I would say it's a lot, it's, there's a more fun going out and having, doing some recreational wheeling once you get, you know, kind of get done with the, the, uh, the racing aspect of, of that. Right. One of I think one of my favorite so. rigs that you guys built was um I believe it was for Brian Shirley. The commando. Yes. The the Sleepster Commando. Yes. Absolutely. That was a the 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 Sleepster Commando was a really cool project and at the time when he dropped it off I didn't even I couldn't even imagine it turning out that way. It was just like he dropped this and and it was a bone stock original commando running and everything all the original running gear in it and he's like here and it just started showing up with with parts you know i was like okay what are we doing here we what are we building (laughs) and and next thing you know we just the the parts that he supplied kind of set the tone and the end the the finish of that product and kind of how it turned out to be um he never really said you know this is what i want it just, he just gave us a bunch of parts and I started, you know, take off building. So a blank canvas kind of. Love it. You know, and that's, I, I love builds like that where they give us the opportunity to, with a few parameters, you know, things they want. And then, you know, it's, it's on, off you go and you kind of just get to be creative. And, and that, that's how it was when I was doing car stereos, you know, we had customers the same way. They, they'd want, you know, a certain amount of whatever, and we could, if they wanted it super flashy and show vehicle, we got to get re- real creative and kind of kind of do our own thing. And how many guys do you have working now at Tribe? So today we have there's a there's a total of ten bodies in the shop, ten guys working. And, and that's specialty guys. That, uh, we do we uh, we you know that's 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 including uh, Lance and myself, uh, business owners Lance Lance Gilbert. Uh, is is uh, our our other uh, business partner here, and uh, he came from PSC Motorsports, and uh, the the two of us, and actually we have a third. Matt Howell is our is our other uh, business partner, and um, so the, you know we have specialty guys, uh, you know some sales guys. We have um, some new employees that have just came from the Fab School, and they have they're bringing uh, uh, some new stuff to the shop, you know, with, uh, working with, uh, the CAD and, uh, so, you know, what they learned there, that's, that's kind of really, it's going to take us to the next level and, and get back into the, 
21st century is going from drawing on paper to drawing in the in the computer and be able to kick some of the stuff out um and you know our, our we have some various uh talented guys other in the shop that are that are great mechanics that have a uh, background and working with mercedes and you know have a ton of talent uh that do a lot of the diagnostics and repairs and, and stuff like that and welders we you know pretty much everybody here in the shop can weld they can tig weld they can you know big weld they can run all the the plasma table and and do fabrication but there are a lot of them a lot of our guys shine in in other areas you know um that just kind of all it just in a big whole melting pot makes makes everything run really smooth here in the shop and no matter what project comes in that they you know that we get faced with you know i'm pretty uh I'm pretty proud to say that the guys that we have in the shop, you know, we can pretty much handle anything. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So is there anything that we haven't discussed that, uh, that you want to add in there? Any, any special projects or stories or, you know, race situations that, uh, that, that always bring back a smile to your face or maybe even a frown? Um, you know, I, you know, I would, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's so many good memories in the racing from, from dirt riot to ultra four and, uh, in regular off-roading, uh, recreational wheeling. It's, man, it's just, I don't know. That's a tough one because we, we've, we're pretty damn blessed to, to, to be able to do so much. It's like, yeah, it's hard to pick one instance. Um, you know, because there's so much of it, you know, just every opportunity we've ever had to, to go wheeling or, you know, to even, I mean, even if it's down to like, you're at, you're at an event, you got to go recover someone. It's just, that's just, I mean, it, you could turn into a good time, you know, if somebody right. broke down, the broke down the backside of outer limits or something, you know, and we got two in the morning, we got to go get them. <laughs> uh, we, we turn it into a good time, you know, we're going to make the best of it. Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I it's, know it's that all, it's personally, it's all good. Personally, some of the best times were the post-race tribe parties that were themed like the wig party and you know some of the others um that uh that i remember there especially at bridgeport the parties yes. always seem to be pretty good at bridgeport you know rich i i work hard and our guys work hard and i i want to play hard <laughs> there's nothing wrong good, with that <laughs> i want to have a good time that's you know that's the the pursuit of happiness is, is what I'm about. I, I love having a good time. You know, if it's, that's one of the reasons we went to the damn races was to have a good time with all our race buddies, you know? Um, yes, the tribe wig parties, that's always a blast. And I'm sure there'll be more to come in the future. Uh, but you know, that's, that's, I, if you were going to, if you're going to wrap it up for me, I would say you could, if you could say that Adam would be, the you know the most important probably thing in, in his in his life is is having a good time you know is being happy happy with his friends you know that's 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 what I'm about. Excellent, great yeah. segue. Yeah, Adam, Adam, thank you so much for uh, for sharing your life and uh, your history with us, and uh, you know I really hope for the the best for you and Clarissa and your partners at the shop and the whole tribe family. Absolutely. Thank you, Rich, for the opportunity to be on your show. And hopefully we come across paths somewhere out wheeling, you know, or at a, at an off-road event and I'll 
You know, you'll see me with a smile on my face. Thank you so much, Rich. All right. You take care, Adam. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that's another episode of Conversations with Big Rich. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you could do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on any podcast service that you happen to be listening on, or send us an email or a text message or a Facebook message, and let me know uh, any ideas that you have, or if there's anybody that you have that you think would be a great guest, please forward the contact information to me so that we can uh, try to get them on. And always remember, live life to the fullest. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and live life with all the gusto you can. Thank you.